I'm going to ask you to stand together with me for just a moment. The reason that I'm asking you to stand together with me is I think we need to spend some time praying before we ever begin to consider the fifth word of Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. It's magnitude. It's marvelousness. goes beyond anything that our human minds could ever comprehend. Is it any wonder that Jesus, when he was awakened in the boat, as he walked to the back of the boat, he had power over the heaven and the earth by his very spoken word. When he said, peace be still. The wind obeyed his voice and so did the sea. Created. Why are we here today? Andrew read it out of Psalm chapter 8. We're part of that creation. And I will say this to you this morning. If we don't go any further, here's what it ought to do. In the beginning, God created. Let me tell you what it ought to do at the very onset of that. It should humble us in understanding who we are. Before a holy And a righteous God. We're created in His image. That's who we are. And as His people, we have the privilege to worship Him and to praise Him. And let's bow our heads and pray this morning before we ever get in. To the text. Father, words could never begin to express for us the magnitude, the marvelousness of creation itself. Understanding. That it was spoken into existence. Father for us. As part of that creation. We have the privilege. To be able to praise you. And Father understanding and realizing that even if we did not praise you. With our lips and with our lives, the very rocks themselves will cry out your holiness 
Father, all of those that surround your throne today, continuously offer up praise to you. Father, may our hearts be humble today as we consider creation and what it means to be created. Father, I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would illuminate our hearts and minds to the truth that you would have us to draw from this passage today. And Father, we'll be careful to thank you and to praise you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. You see, when we consider the power of God, who made all of this, we cannot help but feel humbled. As we understand and realize who we are before a holy God. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, in the beginning God created. That word created is more than just something merely being made word created there comes from the Hebrew word bara, and here's what it means, to bring into existence. And I will say this, that God in his power, without anything previously that existed, brought about creation by his spoken word. For us, that can... Boggle our minds for sure. And for us to get our hands around it sometimes can seem like a daunting journey. You see, the world came into being in a way that was entirely different from anything that may be observed in the universe today. Nothing today. Nothing today is being created apart from pre-existing materials. You know, it's kind of like the little story that's out there that these two scientists had finally come to the point, to the part or to the point that they thought that they had created life themselves. And so, of course, taking that discovery that they thought that they had to a well-known theologian as they approached him and they said, we've finally done it. We've created life. And the question went by, you created life out of what? Well, we took dust and dirt and all the chemicals and we put all of them together and the theologian asked him, so, okay, you think now that, that creation is not an issue Because even human beings can do creation. Well, let me ask you a simple question. So where did you get the dirt and the dust from? Or where did you get the chemicals from? And I know that sounds very basic, but when you get right down to the crux of it and understanding and realizing that creation came about by the spoken word of God himself. 
He spoke it into existence. And so in Genesis chapter number 2, verse 1 through verse number 3, nothing today is being created apart from pre-existing materials. Verse 1 of chapter 2, thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all of their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which, we, which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. This is the account of the heavens and the earth, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. It was it. It was completed. It was finished. There is no more creation taking place today. All of creation was completed by God, and he rested on the seventh day that we see. And so is anything today that comes into existence, it will only come into existence based upon a pre-existing material that is already present and that exists. You see, the difficulty in grasping creation, I don't believe, is so much due to the fact of us being finite so much as it is to the fact of us being sinful. Matter of fact, if you take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, true, granted, we have a finite mind and we're bound by space and time, we have difficulty understanding the aspects and the concepts of, of not being bound by space and time, such as God. And for us, the finiteness of who we are can make it difficult for us to fully grasp and understand creation. But at the end of the day, I think it's far deeper than that. We find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And verse 14, did I tell you 1 Corinthians? I said 2 Corinthians chapter, I said 2 Corinthians 4. Let's go to, okay. All right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. I'm looking at it and I'm going, boy. <laughs> because most of you will know this verse anyway. Because here's what it says. The natural man understands not the things of God. So why would we ever expect a lost person to fully grasp and understand Creation, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And matter of fact, that's the way it is seen by them. It is seen as foolishness to them. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised or deprived. That's who they are. So for us 
to fully grasp creation. There's an element of faith that is necessary and must be there. You know, the psalmist basically gives us further insight into creation. In Psalm chapter 33 and verse 6, if you will turn to Psalm 33. Psalm chapter 33 Psalm 33, beginning in verse number 6. Psalm chapter 33 and verse 6, notice the scripture. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And I want you to notice it's from where? By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all of their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps and storehouses. Let all of the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. A confirmation by the psalmist himself that God spoke it into existence. He spoke and it was done. Matter of fact, when you go back to Genesis chapter number 1 and you look at each of the events of creation itself, and let's go back there and take a look. Genesis chapter 1, and let's just kind of work our way down through. And I want you to notice in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3, notice the phrase, Then God said... Look at verse 6, then God said. Look at verse 9, then God said. Look at verse 11, then God said. Verse 14, then God said. Verse 20, then God said. Verse 24, then God said. Verse 26, then God said. What does that tell us? At the very spoken word of God himself, creation came in. To existence. You often use the phrase ex nihilo, which is a Latin phrase for out of nothing. In other words, it did not pre exist. When Jesus separated light from darkness, when God separated light from darkness, when he when he said, Let there be light, and there was light. You know, those are the type of things that we and our own sinfulness and frailness have a difficult time understanding. And then when God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. And so as we consider the magnitude of creation and, and just all of the pieces of creation, there's one thing I think that we often lose sight of, and that is the very power of God himself to bring it to, pay, to, 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 to be, to pass. The power, the power of creation. In verse 26, when God said, let us make man in our image. In verse 29, then God said, behold, I've given you every plant 
And then in verse 31, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. His spoken word. You know, as I went down this avenue of of chasing the word created, let me tell you something. It'll take you down a long path. Because let me say something about that. It is, you can't exhaust it. I found myself looking at creation itself and and some of the, the attributes and the aspects and the relationships and the ratios between most of the universes and the stars and all of those things that we understand and know. And one of the things that began to occur to me is a, is, is a very passage of Scripture in the Word of God itself that says, He has even named the stars. I mean, the magnitude and the power that it took to speak into existence all of creation. I think sometimes for us, I don't know about you, but the more I read and the more I studied and the more I went down that path, the more I understood just who I am before a holy and a righteous and a powerful God. How small, but how loved I am because of his love for me. And so to consider that I'm loved by the very creator of all that there is, It ought to bring us to a point of humbleness in our own lives as we consider the magnitude of all of that. Matter of fact, the New Testament even compares this creation to the supernaturalness of our own conversion. Matter of fact, now, if you will turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, we will see it. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Even our own supernatural conversion is spoken of. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to notice verse 6. For God who said, for the very God who spoke into existence and separated light from darkness... For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness... Is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Spoken of even in our own supernatural conversion. The very creator God himself. Concerned and desiring a relationship with us. Also, may we be careful because the context for understanding the events of creation is not found in our present world of non-creative processes. Case in point, the first and the second law of thermodynamics. When you consider those and we consider creation, one of the things that I want you to understand, the context of Genesis chapter 1 and creation itself It's not found in our present world of non-creative processes. In other words, energy has the ability to change form, but never can it be brought into existence or removed. How about the second law of thermodynamics? Okay. 
that in all of the processes, the entropy of those processes, in other words, they're becoming more disordered over time. And we see that even today as we look at the world around us. What we hear from many saying is the world is getting better today. I beg to differ with you. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And as you look at different scientific aspects of what is, what is going on in the universe today, they're concerned about the direction that we're going of slowing it down or stopping that process. My dear friend, let me say this to you this morning. What God has placed in order, man is not going to stop. Neither is man going to have an effect on it. You see, the absolute sovereignty, wisdom, power, and glory of God are revealed in the order of creation itself. It's revealed in its order and in the manner that he did things. Well, let's go to Job chapter 38. We can learn a lot from Job. You know, most look at Job strictly as one who found himself in a very difficult place in life. He lost everything that he had, and then at the end, he regains all of it back. But I think so often we miss probably one of the greatest aspects of the book of Job, beginning in chapter 38. And I think we do well today, and I guess out of this message on created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think we all need to be brought back to this point. I think how easy it is for us to get to the place that we place ourselves at a position that is not healthy. Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job. He answered Job out of the whirlwind, and he said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man. Hmm. And I will ask you, and you instruct me. Hmm. How would you like to have that conversation with God? Huh? Hi, Job, gird up your loins like a man. And now you answer me. You instruct me. Based on what? Where were you, Job? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? You see that, Job? Where were you? When I laid the very foundations of the earth. He didn't stop there. He goes on. Tell me if you have understanding. Verse 5, who set its measurements? Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's, something. that's something that will boggle your mind. Yeah, go look at the, the dimensions that we have of the moon and look at the dimensions that we have of the sun. Look at the dimensions 
that we have of the earth itself. Look at the distances between the sun and the moon and the angle of direction that each of them find themselves in. And look at the sun itself and the distance between the earth and the sun. And, and we're just far enough away from the sun that it's exactly where we need to be. And we're just close enough to the moon that we're exactly where we need to be. And they're all held into place simply because it just happened that way. So, Job, where were you? Where were you, Job? Matter of fact, who set those measurements? Notice the next statement that we find from God to Job. Matter of fact, he said, since you know. Job, since you know. Or, who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all of the sons of God shouted for joy, Job, where were you? To follow Jesus. Verse 12. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning? You see that? Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? That it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal and they stand forth like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the uplifted arm is broken. Look at verse 16. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Oh, that's another avenue. Go and begin to investigate and research the dimensions of the depths of the very earth that we have in front of us today. They will boggle your mind. And are you ready for this? Some of the creatures that they're discovering at those depths down there. Now, they just evolved. They're part of that evolutionary process. That now all of a sudden, through an evolutionary process, that we're beginning to find all of these things. Look at verse 19. He asked Job, he said, so where is the way to the dwelling of light? Let me ask you a question. Where does light come from? Where does light come from? I know people say, well, it comes from the sun. It comes from the... Where did light come from? It comes from a light bulb. Okay, I get it. Where does light come from? God is light. He spoke light into existence. He said, let there be light. Do you see the magnitude of this? Verse 25, and who has cleft a channel for the flood or a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land without people or on a desert without a man in it to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the seeds of grass 
to sprout. Look at chapter 40 of Job. Chapter 40, verse 1. This is part of the continuing conversation here between God and Job. Look at chapter 40 and verse 1. Then the Lord said to Job, Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. And then Job answered the Lord and said, This is where we need to understand and come to in our own life. Notice what Job said. Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? Let me ask you a question. Could we? Huh? Could we? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken and I will not answer, even twice, and I will add nothing more. magnitude of creation itself and the bringing of the world into existence by God, let me just make this very clear this morning, is a faith commitment to his revelation. It's a faith commitment to his revelation. You say, Brother Robert, how, how can that be? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3. It's a faith commitment. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3. Many of us can quote this. You know, we talk about it. Verse 1 and verse 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and on and on and on. We can quote all of that. Verse 2, for by it the men of old gained approval. But we come to verse number 3. There's two words. The very first two words. By faith. By faith. I mean, you can have all the, the scientific knowledge that you can put, but I can tell you something. There are some details that you just do not have all the detail enough to answer the question. Verse 3, Hebrews chapter number 11. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the what? By the word of God. So is it any wonder that he spoke it into existence? Creation, that word created in verse number 1, speaks to the very spoken word of God himself. He spoke it into existence. And so everywhere we see in Scripture, even Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. He spoke it into existence. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. It is by faith. Not empirical observation that we understand the order of events and methods employed by God. It's by faith to the events of creation that took place. And let me say this to you this morning as well. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. 
even those around the throne of God that we're given insight into by John. As he was brought up to see and to record, I want you to notice, I'll tell you what, let's start in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 4. So when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And watch this. And because of you will they, and because of your will, they existed and were what? Created. Why were they created? Because of him. That is a faith journey to understand that. So I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts this morning. Number one, the purpose of life. The purpose of life is found only in the God of creation. That is the only place you will find the purpose of life. It is found in the very God of creation himself. The very one who spoke it into existence to find purpose in life. That is the only place you will find purpose is in him. Number two, the purpose of life and the church is lived out as a result of that in the following ways. Let me just give them to you this morning through missions and church planning and the calling of pastors and elders and discipling and evangelism. But let me say this to you this morning. But it all begins with evangelism and understanding that one day, I mean, we, we're going to sit here and we're going to go through the book of Genesis. But at the end of the day, here's what, here's what I want you to understand. In the beginning, God created We can sit here and we can talk about that and we can discuss that all day long, can discuss creation. But at the end of the day, here's what I want you to take away from this. One day, you're going to find yourself before the very creator himself. Alistair Begg was dealing with the subject of planning for the end of life and here's what he said he said it's an amazing thing that when we plan for the end of life that's that's all we plan for is the end of life you know we have these things called trusts and we have these things called these things called wills he said you know you have a will i have a will we all have a will we all go down to the courthouse we all put our wills in and all the wills get read and all of those things to determine what happens to all of those things about us that we have physically here and alistair went on to say he said it's amazing how much time and energy we spend on making sure that all the smallest of details to the end of our life is taken care of here but we miss the very and the most important part of it we make no preparation to meet god or very little my if we spend as much effort 
in preparing for the end of life, for the disposition of all of the temporal things. If we spend as much time and energy preparing ourselves for the day that we will meet God himself. My question to you today is, are you ready to meet the very director of creation itself? The one we're reading about. The one that Job had a conversation with. The creator himself. My question today is, are you ready to meet him? Do you know him? Let me tell you what, evangelism, missions, church planning, all of that is a result of what takes place in the transformation of the heart of an individual. So my question to you today is this, as believers... Do we, do we understand the magnitude and the marvelousness of creation itself enough to understand our privilege that we have to be able to serve the God of creation on a regular basis and to share him with all of the rest of the world? In the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth for a what? For a purpose. For a purpose.